Hey, it's Jeff and Jeremy from the Ultra Running Guys. And if you are here, you probably already know that we started this podcast to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. But what you may not know is in addition to this podcast, we also host two live races in the Wilmington, North Carolina area that are designed to do the same. One of which is the Hydra that we just hosted. It was an absolute blast. So stay tuned for the release of the 2024 date because you won't want to miss it. Speaking of not missing things, for now, go ahead and mark your calendars for September 16th when we host the final countdown. And whether you've never run before or you're a hardcore ultra veteran, this race is designed to help you find your limits and we'll be there to celebrate it with you. So share with your friends, check us out on the ultrarunningguys.com and you can always check out the links in the show notes for more info. And with that, enjoy the episode. And remember, when in doubt, just show up. I remember when I was in college, I had a lot of teammates. Of course, we were running track and field and cross country. And they asked me, like, are you going to continue running after college? And I said, yeah, I like I'm going to be running for the rest of my life because I love it. And they're like, man, you're a soul runner. They, I remember they used to call me a soul runner. And, and they said, like, what's one of the big goals that you have in life? And I was like, I want to run Western States someday. And they're like, what's Western States? And like, <laughs> Nobody knew what it was. And welcome back to the Ultra Running Guys. You got Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. And the reason that we're here is to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. First off, as always, to the Ultra Running Guys family, thank you so much for plugging in. It absolutely means the world to us. And if you're finding value, please tell your friends, leave us the review, give us the rating, all that good stuff. It really helps out. As always, also, we're going to get right into this one. I am absolutely stoked. This is a big one. So our guest tonight is a renowned professional ultra runner with a long list of achievements that include the current course record at the JFK 50 miler in a time of five hours, 18 minutes and 40 seconds. And if we did our math right, we did. That is a 622 pace. We've been on that course. That is pretty freaking mind blowing. Uh, a win and course record at the 2017 UTMB CCC, which is an insanely competitive international 101K race. And he was also a member of USA's 2016 mountain running team, clinching the first world championship in USA history. After an impressive second place finish at last year's Western States Endurance Run, which is arguably the Super Bowl of 100 milers, he is focused on taking on the iconic race again in June and is among the favorites to win. But along with being able to string together nearly superhuman feats of endurance, he's a devoted family man who holds tight to his faith, and from what we can tell, is as down to earth as they come. So we're excited to pick his brain about his training, his nutrition, and really how the rest of us can work to get the absolute best out of ourselves. So stick around because this is one you do not want to miss. And with that, the one and only Hayden Hawks. Welcome to the show, man. Hey guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on the show and just got done with a double. So uh, I'm in the heart of Western States training right now, but yeah, excited to, to be on the show today. We are absolutely stoked to have you. Um, and we kind of joked before, you know, you got two small kids, you're in a big training block, you got a lot going on. So we really appreciate the time. And with that, man, th there's so much we want to talk to you. Uh, we're going to talk about Western States, obviously, and we really want to get into some of the tactical stuff as well. 
But we actually, as, as part of the prep, we listened to your talk with Billy Yang last year, which was a great episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's so much here. I know we're probably not going to cover it all. So if somebody's looking for it, you know, I would recommend go listen to that episode as well. But you told a story on that one about the 2016 Speed Goat 50K. And this was a pretty big moment kind of in your career, kind of a catalyst for launching who we know now as Hayden Hawk. So run us through that day, how you got into it, and then really what that day did for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, you know, Speed Go in 2016 was probably where my career kind of started in the ultra space. You know, I grew up in St. George, Utah. It's a really big endurance capital, especially for like Ironman and triathlon and stuff like that. Um, but ultra running never really was a, a, a huge thing, I guess, in St. George, um, even though we had trails outside the back doors that were just incredible in Zion National Park and Bryce Canyon and I mean, you name it, there's so many trails in, in Southern Utah that you can explore. And, you know, I grew up on the trails. I, I grew up running cross country and, and track and field, and, and we'd spend a lot of time out on the trails. But like I had some some buddies growing up that were kind of into the ultra scene and they would come. I was working at the St. George Running Center at the time. They'd come into the store and always talk about this, you know, the, these races, Speed Goat and, and Western States and, you know, Leadville and whatever else it was. And and I would kind of be intrigued and I'd ask them like, hey, what, what are these races like? And they'd kind of explain them to me. And, and I could just feel like the energy and just the love and the, the passion that they shared for these ultra events. And, and most importantly, the community of these events. And so after I, I graduated college at Southern Utah University, I kind of had this opportunity where I had a buddy who was running the Speed Goat 50K as a local guy from St. George. And, and he invited me to go up and run the race with him. And and, you know, I'd, I'd remember hearing about the race when I was younger, of course, and it kind of brought back those feelings and those memories that I'd felt when I was younger. But at the time, I didn't think that I was capable of running 50 kilometers in the mountains. Like, I was coming off the track where I'd only been running 10Ks. You know, I think I'd run a half marathon, and that was the farthest I'd, I'd really raced. Um, but he kept just sharing it with me and was like, hey, dude, like, come up with me to the mountains this weekend. Let's go do a training run at Pine Valley Mountain, which is kind of our iconic mountain in, in, in St. George. And he said, come and see what it's like to run in the mountains and, and be on the trails. And, and so I was like, okay, sure. So I went out with him and it was a really long day. Like we hiked pretty much the whole way up the mountain and then ran all the way back down. And, and it was a long day. And, but I remember I, like, I didn't bring any water. I didn't bring any food. I brought nothing with me but I loved the experience. Like I absolutely fell in love with the mountains on that, that one run. I fell in love with just like, it brought back my love for running because it, it kind of dwindled a little bit running on the roads and on the track. And it brought back this love that, and this, this passion that I'd felt when I was younger, when I first started getting into the sport. And I was like, wow, there's something to this like mountain trail running thing. And then he, again, at the end of the run, he invited me, hey, come up to speed go. And I was like, no, no, I can't do that. Like, that's too much. Well, fast forward, you know, a couple of weeks later, I think it was like a month later, he's getting ready to go run up the, uh, run the speed goat race. And I just texted him, sent him a message, said, hey, Bryce, like, good luck. You know, I hope you have a great time up there. Like, and he sent me a message back and was like, dude, you should be here. Like, you could win this race. Like, you are talented enough to win this. Like, I can tell that you, you have the passion for this. Like you, you love these, these trails. He said, you should be here. And I was like, no, dude, there's no way. Like, so this was two days before the race, I think. 
that next morning, which is the day before the race, I woke up and I just felt this strong feeling inside of me and was like, I need to run that race. Like, I don't know what it was, but it was just this feeling that I felt of like, that, that just pulled me to that race. And it was like, you need to go run this race. And I remember turning to my wife and I was like, Hey babe, like, I think I need to go run this speed goat 50 K race. And she didn't really know anything about it. She's like, what is it? Like what? Like, and I was like, it's a 50 K race in the mountains has like 12,000 feet of elevation gain. She's like, are you crazy? Like, <laughs> like wh- what, what are you thinking? Like, there's no way. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I just need to go do it. And so I, I called Bryce up and I said, Hey dude, any way you can get me into the race? Like, I don't know if that's even possible in this sport, but like, is there any way you can get me in the race? Luckily he was friends with the race director, Carl Meltzer and Bryce vouched for me and was like, Hey, you should get this guy in. Like he's good. He's been training. He's, he's fit enough that he can, he can at least complete the race. And so Carl let me in. Luckily I drove up that day from St. George, uh, which is about a four hour drive to Salt Lake city. Had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Bryce was also Bryce. His name is Bryce Thatcher. He's kind of a legend in the sport. He's the founder of ultra spire. He was friends with Magdalena Bollet at the time. And, you know, Magda's a, a legend. I met Magda for the first time and I had no clue who she was. You know, I'm coming from the track. Like I kind of had heard of her because she had a track background and she was an Olympic marathoner. But I really didn't know much about her ultra experience or her ultra accolades, you know, that she had won Western States, I think the year before that. But anyways, um, she was just like, this is what you need to do. And she told me exactly how I needed to hydrate, what I needed. She'd like, take a gel every 30 minutes and just go out there. And they gave me a pack, an ultra, a small, like ultra spire waist belt. I threw the gels in. I threw one bottle into the belt and I said, okay, here goes nothing. Woke up the next morning, started the race. I friggin' went out like crazy was like, I think I set the record for like the fastest time up the first climb of the, of the race which was set by, I think, Killian or Max King or something like that. So I broke their time and I end up like uh, getting to the top of the first climb and everybody's just like, who the heck is this kid? Like (laughs) I'm wearing just a local like St. George running club t-shirt, you know, had no idea what I was doing. I just knew I was going to run hard and I was going to give it everything I had and then see what happened. Well, anyways, I went through that and I remember hearing the voices and the people talking about you know, who's this guy? Oh, don't worry. He's just going to blow up. Like this happens all the time. You know, these new guys come in thinking they're thinking they're all cool and everything. And I remember that really actually motivated me. And I'm the type of person where if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to try the hardest I possibly can to make sure I get it done. And and I'm going to work my butt off to make sure that I get better. And, and I, and I prove people wrong. Like it's always, I've always kind of been that way. And so that's what happened is, is I said, you know, I'm going to show these people, like, I'm going to hold on and I'm going to win this sucker. Like, like they don't know who I am, you know? And that's kind of what I did is I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And yeah, I ended up winning the race, (laughs) you know, and, uh, it kind of started from there. I mean, speed go 2016 was, yeah, that was the start of everything. Such a good story. It's dumbfounding because you, you hear all the names he's rattled off yep. and, you know, they're like legends in the sport. You know, you're talking to Carl Metzer, you're talking about Bryce Thatcher, you're talking about uh, Magda Belay, like all those people that if you've been around the sport, you know all those names and 
they've all helped you in some way just to kind of get started. It's just incredible, like how that all came together. Um, I am curious, you said something that got my attention. You said you were motivated to prove people wrong. Where do you think that comes from? Yeah, I think it comes from, you know, when I was younger, I played baseball. I grew up with a really big passion for baseball. Um, I'm a huge Boston Red Sox fan, but I was always kind of the small guy on the team, you know, the, the really skinny guy. And I always had coaches growing up that would tell me like, hey, dude, we need to bulk you up. Like, we need to get you bigger. Like, you're just too small for this sport. And I would always kind of like, no, no, I, I, I'm going to show you. Like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, and, and I would show up every year. And I would, and every like summer, every off season, instead of just like relaxing and hanging out, you know, spending time with my friends, I was in the batting cages. I was at the gym. Like, I was on the, in the backyard, you know, getting grounders from my dad. And uh, like working my butt off day in and day out to be better every single year, because I knew that maybe I wasn't the most talented guy in the world or I wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but I had heart and I had passion and I knew that I could do these things. Like I've always had a kind of a self-confidence in myself and a belief in myself that I can accomplish anything if I work hard at it. And I think a lot of that comes from what my dad had taught me growing up is, is he instilled that in me and he's, he instilled this work ethic in me and this this belief in myself that I I could accomplish anything that I wanted to accomplish as long as I worked hard enough for it and so I think that was part of it and you know I got cut from my baseball team after my freshman year of high school and it was like this huge event in my life that I, I thought my life was over to be honest with you at the time because you know here I had worked my butt off year in and year out to be the best baseball player I could and I get cut from the team and the reason I got cut is that the high school coach came to me and he said, you're just not big enough. <laughs> he said, you'll never make it in this sport because you're just too small. And I remember like I was better than the other guys that made the team. And, and everybody would told me that, you know, everyone in that I played against every one of the coaches, but I was just small and it really made me upset. And, and I think it kind of started from there. I don't know if people were doubting me or what it was, but like, I've just never been someone to back down from anything. Like I love challenges and I'm just not willing to back down from challenges. I love hearing where people's fire comes from. I think that's cool. I mean, I appreciate you sharing the story. Every time I hear something like that, uh, the, the big question is like, how do you teach somebody that, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of times when, when you're faced with adversity like that, people do it in two different ways. There's one like that. Okay. Hey, I've got this adversity. I, I learned the work ethic. I learned to work hard. How do I overcome it? And then some is, okay, the doubt, I guess I believe what they're saying. I should probably try something else. Right. And there's kind of like these two diverging paths. And so I always think, okay, how do I take what you're talking about and teach somebody that goes, I don't know. Like, I just don't, that's not me. That's not my skill set. But I always keep coming back to like, stuff like we've said do hard things the cold plunges I, th I think that some of those levers that you can pull to kind of say okay how do i build adversity into my day and get used to having to do things that are hard i still think it's somewhat natural or taught or young you hear kobe bryant talk about the same thing i know you're a kobe fan but i never realized that he went through like a full season without scoring a point right he if you go back to his origin story like he sucked and so having to overcome some of the things that you're talking about, it makes a lot of sense why you would just go out there and, and push it up and say like, screw that, you know, I'm going to show these guys. Um, and then yeah. to do it with Magda Boulay. And like I said, that'd be like one of us showing up and somebody saying, Hey, here's Hayden Hawks. And Hayden's like, Hey, 
It's not like us showing up at all. <laughs> at <laughs> like, all. Okay, somebody that's fast. <laughs> because right? we're not fast like that at all. <laughs> but the opportunity, I think, I think is is very cool. And then if I remember right, that also was the same day that you kind of sparked your relationship with Hoka, which has been a very important part of your career as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah Hoka was a, the sponsor of that race. And so, yeah, I, I kind of got in with them then, you know, during that race. Um, and of course, Carl Meltzer, uh, Magda Belay was sponsor is still sponsored by Hoka. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they're like legends, like legendary Hoka athletes. But, you know, going back to what you said, I, I, with the Kobe Bryant thing too, I think, I think every top athlete in any sport, you know, whether it's ultra running, basketball, football, baseball, has had to go through some type of adversity in their life or some type of challenge that maybe they had to react, you know, and they could either take it and tear themselves down or they could take it and they could build themselves up and be like, I'm going to overcome this adversity and I'm going to be better from it. You know, you hear about it with so many athletes. The other thing I learned from that too, when you talk about Magda is all these pro athletes and I've done, you know, I've read a lot of books and, and I've heard a lot of podcasts and stuff on, on like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, whatever is they were all students of the sport right. as well of their sports. Like, they were just trying to learn as much as they possibly can, you know, learn from the people that had been there before them. And they were always trying to find ways to get better. And, and it was, you know, through being educated and, and being students. And that's kind of where I was at the beginning of my career is I was, and I still am, I'm still learning so much and I'm still picking the brains of some of these top athletes in the world, you know, but I was learning from Magda. You know, after that, I started doing some runs with with Jim Walmsley. And, you know, I, I've done runs with uh, a lot of just legends of this sport over the years. And I've just tried to be a student as much as possible and take in as much as, as possible, because I knew that was what's going to get me better. And I think it's important for people to to be that way is to learn as much as they possibly can, you know, from the people that are successful and have been there. So it's, it's interesting to me, and, and I may get some of these, these dates wrong or whatever it is, but I think two years ago, I think you got eighth at Western States, and then last year was second. In the podcast with Billy, you'd done a lot of training. You were very dialed in and everything, and yet you didn't meet the goal that you had, which was obviously to win. Um, Adam came out of nowhere and kind of shocked a lot of the world. But um, how do you take that continued, like, not hitting your personal goal as it's going to continue to push me forward, continue to drive me, continue to get to that point to get on the baseball team as the sophomore or the junior or the senior, right? How do you allow that rejection of your goal to keep pushing you so hard to keep staying at like, I'm going to get this. Like, how does that drive you? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think, I think it's more just inner. It's like an inner thing that it's just always been there. I love the challenge of, getting better. Mm -hmm. I, I love the challenge of trying to find ways to get better. Like you can ask my wife is like, my brain doesn't stop. Like I'm kind of one of those guys that's always thinking about the next plan, about the next thing that I can do, about the next way that I can get better. I mean, I, I lay in bed at night before I go to bed and I just have all these thoughts running through the head of like, what can I do? How can I tweak my training here? How can I improve my nutrition or, or what can I do? And, and then I start looking on the phone or I start reading a book to kind of figure it out. I've always been that way is like, I, I kind of like putting all those pieces together and, and creating the puzzle and trying to figure out a way to perfect it. You know, I know it, I'm never going to be perfect, 
but I try to strive for that perfection. And, and it's just kind of like always been there. But that being said, like, I'm constantly finding ways to improve. Like, like you said, you know, with the Billy Yang podcast, how I, 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 and I talked in that podcast about how I felt like I was dialed and I was ready to go at Western States. Now going in this year, I'll tell you, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't as dialed in as I thought I was. And I've learned that just in this last year, since taking second at Western States last year, there was so many things that I didn't do right. Like my nutrition, my hydration, my pacing, my cooling strategies that just weren't there. Like they were okay, but they weren't as good as they could be. Like this sport is so much about experience and experience means so much in this sport. And you're always going to learn new things every time you run a hundred mile race. And even though you might think you're prepared, there's always maybe something you can tweak or do better at the next year. And, and I feel like that's kind of where I'm at this year is like, everything's just so much better this year going in, but it took taking second place for me to realize that and to learn all these things. If I would have won last year, it probably wouldn't have been a good thing because looking at my nutrition strategy, looking at my hydration, stuff like that, it was terrible last year. And I would have kept trying to do that race after race after race and maybe won a few, maybe blown up at a bunch because I didn't have it down. But because I took second, now I have it down and I can be more consistent going forward. I like that a lot. And, you know, we have other, we have other guests and stuff. They talk about their failures or their shortcomings or the mistakes they made or whatever it is. And it can derail them or they can allow that experience to refine them and to further improve their skill set and stuff. And so it's inspiring, I think, and motivating to know that you continue to refine yourself and adapt when you don't succeed to the goals that you have, even when you feel very confident in how you are, you know? And so I appreciate you sharing that. I would say the thing that jumps out to me is you really, we talk about this a lot, kind of the process versus the goal, right? You really strike me and tell me mm -hmm. if I'm on point as you strike me as somebody who gets a lot of joy out of the process. Mm -hmm. And because of that, even if the goal doesn't quite meet that, it doesn't matter. There's something to look forward to. There's a way to improve. There's still things to learn. And, and we've had guests where, and I tend to be, I focus on a big goal and then I kind of have this not, not let down, but the running blues, that type of stuff. Right. And, and I've tried to challenge myself. Hey, how do I just enjoy the process more? We've had guests that just love running, mm -hmm. right? They just go out and they enjoy every step of it. Is the process a big piece to you uh, with that love of learning? I love the process. Yeah. You hit it right on the, on the head. I mean, I love the process. I love developing a training plan. I love, you know, training. I love finding new routes and developing new routes and trying to be specific, you know, with my routes so that they match up to what I'm trying to train for. Like, I really enjoy that, that process. Um, and honestly, I think that's where you have to be in this sport, because if you think about it, say I race five times out of the year, like that's five days in 365 days. So if I don't love the process, I'm going to hate the other 360 days of the year because I mean, I'm only going to enjoy five days. Like what kind of life is that? Like, I don't want to live that life. You know, I want to enjoy every day as much as I possibly can. And don't get me wrong. I love racing. And, and, but the, the racing is just like, it's like one of those extraordinary days where you just get to go out there. You're having the best day of your life. You get to enjoy this amazing experience, this community. You know, it's not always, it doesn't always go that way, but you know what I'm trying to say? It's like, yeah, it's just a, such a cool experience to go out and race. Yeah. 
But I also enjoy those other 360 days of the year where I'm training and working hard. And yeah, I think it's, it's really fun to put it all together and to just, uh, yeah, to go out and train and, and enjoy that, that process. It's also where the longevity comes from. Oh, for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah, if you don't enjoy the process, you're definitely not going to last long in this sport. I think I heard it once from Killian. Uh, Killian explained it once that he he loves training. And, and he said, you know, racing's okay, like blah, blah, blah. And I think that's why he does a lot of these projects now at the end of his career because he said he loves the training more than he actually loves the racing. And, and I kind of sometimes feel that same way. I'd say they're probably equal for me, but I do love the training just as much as I love the racing. Western? Yep. All right, man. So let's, it was, it's fun to hear that origin story. Like I said, I know there's a ton more than that. We don't have the time to hit it all, but Western States is coming up. We already mentioned, you know, you were going for it last year. Didn't quite happen. I know you've put a lot of work. You've been kind of traveling uh, to get your workouts in, took, just took second place at Tarawera uh, not too long ago, spent some time in New Zealand, which we'll talk about because that's part of how we got connected, but Western States, man, I know this is personal just from hearing, you know, other talks with you. Tell us about Western. So let's pretend that somebody's listening. I'm sure they've all heard of Western. But if they haven't, they're going, what is Western States? Tell us about the race and why it's so important to you. <laughs> yeah, Western States is the greatest race in the world. I mean, it's simple as that. It really is. It's everything about Western States, the trail, the race itself, the community around it, the history of the race. I mean, there's more to Western States than just the running. Like, it's literally the foundation of our sport is what, how I look at it. A foundation race, I guess you could say. And even though, like, it's such a big event and has so much competition and it's, you know, considered, I guess, the Super Bowl or the World Series or whatever you want to call it of, of our sport, it still is very true to itself. It's still very grassroots at the heart of it. And it's about the community and it's about the people of the event rather than the event itself. And I think that's what makes Western States so cool. And, and, and it's why I keep going back to it every year. And, you know, even after I win it, you know, I, I'm still going to go back to it because I love it that much. I love the process of getting to Western States. I love the training that goes into Western States. It's kind of the first ultra I heard about, you know, when I was working at the running store, when I was 16 years old, I'd never even heard about ultra running. And I had a friend um, that came into the store and that's all he could talk about was Western States and how cool it was. Cause he had just been there and helped crew somebody at the event. There was just this fire in his eyes and this passion that I was like, wow, I got to do that race someday. And I remember when I was in college, I had a lot of teammates. Of course, we were running track and field and cross country. And they asked me, like, are you going to continue running after college? And I said, yeah, I like I'm going to be running for the rest of my life because I love it. And they're like, man, you're a soul runner. They, I remember they used to call me a soul runner. And, and they said, like, what's one of the big goals that you have in life? And I was like, I want to run Western States someday. And they're like, what's Western States? And like, <laughs> nobody knew what it was. And I was sat there for like an entire run explaining Western States to them and what it was. And I don't know if like it went in one ear and out the other for them or they really cared about it. But I remember one guy saying like, wow, you're really passionate about that race, man. And I said, yeah, dude, like that's the dream. Like that's the race I want to do someday. I imagine he's going to be really emotional when he wins this thing. 
<laughs> I hope I'm not so. an emotional person, but oh, you're maybe, going to be. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you will be. So. For those of us that haven't been out there, when you think about the course, I'm sure there's got to be parts where you're like, oh yeah, this is part is probably more fun, and then there's probably parts where you're like, ah, oh, you know, got to get through this, or it's a tougher part. Do things like that stand out? Is there something you look more forward to? And, and I'm guessing at your level, you're not dreading it, but some things that you know you're going to have to put the work into as far as portions of the course. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, there's so many challenges of Western States. Like I tell people this all the time is I think Western States is more challenging. It's harder to train for. It's harder to prepare for than something like UTMB. Like even though UTMB on paper looks more challenging with 30,000 plus feet of elevation gain running through the Alps and whatnot. It's very one dimensional in how you train for it. You don't have to really deal with heat per se. Like you don't have to run the whole thing. You can hike a lot of UTMB and I'm not saying UTMB is easy because it's not, no ultra is easy. And I think that's the, the one thing I should say is every ultra is going to be hard. I think I heard Courtney DeWalter say this once as she said, it's always hard because like somebody was asking like, why do you do these challenging things? And she's like, because I enjoy challenges and because I look forward to those hard moments and I just know it's going to be hard. Like ultra running is not easy. Like you don't sign up for this sport to, to just have, have easy things happen. And it's, Oh yeah, I'm just going to go run through fields of flowers and, you know, <laughs> have no challenges. No, you do this sport because you want to challenge yourself and you want to put yourself in hard situations. So that's what I, I, I look at Western States is there's a lot of hard situations that you have to deal with from the heat to the altitude. There is 18,000 feet of elevation gain at Western States. And to win Western States, you have to run every step of those 18,000 feet and those 100 miles. And so that's what makes it so challenging is you have to deal with all of that and you have to run the entire thing, <laughs> which running can be a bit harder than hiking sometimes, you know, and I, and, and, and every race has their own challenges and whatnot. But I think that's what intrigues me about Western States so much too, is, is Western States is probably one of the most challenging races in the world because of that. It beats you up probably more than most races in the world. I have never felt so beat up in my life than after running Western States, but I kind of look forward to that in a weird way because I, like I said, I like challenges and I like doing hard things and why not do one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life multiple times. Right. <laughs> I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm weird, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so, so, uh, I mean, I'm not sure how to even ask a question or you just make a statement. It's, it's so hard for me to understand, you know, I am a mid to the back of the packer. I am going to be one. If I were to get into Western States, I've got like four or five tickets, whatever the number is now and something. And so if I were to get in at some point, right. The idea that y'all run every single step is mind boggling to me. How do you help somebody like me to understand that when I'm suffering and I look at you running by that you also are suffering? I mean, is it hard? Is it hard for you? Yeah. Because yeah, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't I look hard you, when I watch you on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. Right? It's all, it's all relevant, right? It's all relevant. Like, I mean, like I'm out there trying to win this thing, man. Right. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make history and run like the fastest time ever on this course. You know, I'm trying to do stuff that nobody has ever done before. 
and so yeah that's going to be very challenging to do something like that yeah i just try to explain to people like we're suffering just as much as everybody else in the race right, right. like people think that that the pros are just yeah, like it's easy for them right and they're just running and and you know like oh they're they're so good and they're so lucky that they that they're so talented and they can just go out and do that and it's like no no like we're suffering just as bad there's moments in western states where like literally i go i feel like i just go into another world like i'm just i can't even think straight my head's spinning i'm in a dark place and i'm just trying to get out of it I know back of the pack people deal with that same scenario. I know middle of the pack people deal with that same scenario. I mean, it's challenging for everybody. I mean, when you're running in a hundred plus degree weather, like I don't care how fast you're running, it's going to hurt and it's, it's going to be hard. So my coach has talked to me about the idea that when I run an ultra, that the event itself is going to mirror the various periodization phases of my training. And so, you know, if I've got hill portion of hill workouts, or if I've got um, some high intensity speed workouts, or if I've got aerobic based period of time or whatever that looks like, then I'm going to spend parts of my race in each of those different zones. Do you stay to a particular RPE um, during a race or, or are you toggling a, across the whole spectrum? Um, it's trying to keep it as, as level as possible. Um, mm -hmm. and this is one thing I actually learned. So in between now and or last year and this year, I went to a lab, actually, I was in the UK at one of the top exercise physiology universities in the entire world. We were able to put myself into like a, an altitude and heat chamber there and kind of, we mimicked the Western States course actually over three days. I ran like 50 K on the treadmill three days in a row, which <laughs> the long time on the treadmill, but I wore everything that I would wear at Western States. It was an altitude and heat chamber. So we were able to mimic the exact temperatures that I dealt with at Western States last year, mm -hmm. the exact humidity levels that I dealt with at Western States last year. Um, and then we, we went up and down on the treadmill. We put a program into the treadmill. So I was mimicking the climbs, um, we couldn't, of course, mimic the downhill. So I just ran flat when I was running downhill. And over those three days, I learned one thing. I won't tell you all everything I learned because I don't want all my competitors to know what I learned. <laughs> um, but I did learn one thing that last year I was surging way too much during the race. I was putting in these big surges at certain points in the race when I didn't need to be doing that. And every time I would surge, my heart rate would spike, my body temp would spike, and it just kept increasing and increasing and increasing as the race went on because you're always going to have that cardiac drift. You're always going to have that body temp drift. It's always going to go the longer you're out there unless you completely stop. But of course, I'm not doing that in a race like Western States. And that's where like cooling strategies come into play. And that's where pacing strategies come into play and, and fueling and all that to kind of level that out and to prevent that from spiking too high. But I was causing these issues by surging so much because I was aiding those spikes and those spikes were getting bigger and bigger as I went, causing everything to rise as I went. And so to answer your question, staying as level effort-wise as possible across the entire race is the proper way to run any ultra. Mm -hmm. throwing in surges and spiking your heart rate or your body temp or draining your glycogen levels really quickly with, with 
these big pushes is never a good thing. That's only going to continue to rise as you go throughout the race. Mm. So let me ask, and we have a couple questions from patrons, and I think this is a good Jordan Prevet, uh, who's a he's a great runner, good friend of ours, and he's one of those that's like, I, I think he knows he could probably be a little bit more competitive, right? Because he's he's a good runner. So there's two questions, and one I'll, I'll ask. I might ask the second one first. So it's what advice do you have for your average? easy pace ultra runner to make the transition to a more competitive pace for themselves. And it sounds like based on what you're saying is, Hey, find that kind of level, right. That you want to, to maintain and try to hold that versus the surges. But the first question, which kind of comes into it is at the elite level, what is your RPE during a hundred miles? So for everybody listening, you know, rate of perceived exertion. So we'll say a scale of one to 10. So when you're trying to hold that mean level, like you just described, kind of how hard are you looking to push or how easy are you looking to keep it? He's not going to want to answer this question. Yeah. No, I'll answer it. Um, it's hard to say, like, I don't really look at all these like data points per se. Like I'm not looking at heart rate the entire time during an ultra. I'm paying attention to my body and my vitals and what my body's telling me, like cues that my body is giving me because my body will tell me when I need fuel or it will tell me when I'm going too hard or it will tell me when I just need to back off, you know? And yeah, so I, I'm really focusing on that. I, I don't know if I necessarily focus so much on my RPE and be like, oh, I need to maintain this exact RPE for the entire race. It's more like, all right, how am I feeling on this climb? How am I feeling on this descent? You know, and it, and it kind of like, I just make sure that I'm under control is how I would say it. Like I'm not out of control. So yeah, like an RPE is like an under control RPE is probably anywhere from a five to seven RPE out of 10. I guess if I wanted to give you a number, like when you start getting up to that eight, nine, 10 RPE, you're probably a little bit out of control that's the kind of the phrase that I put in my head is, am I under control? And if I feel like I'm under control, then yeah, I'm in a good spot. If I feel out of control at all, I back off and I back down to where I can be under control. I always want to have control of my body. I always want to have control of my mind. I want to be able to fuel properly and do the little things necessary to get me to that finish line. And you have to be under control to do all those little things. So follow on that. So if, Tell me if I'm right, but I hear that and I go, okay, I, I kind of want to be at the top end of comfortable, right? If I think yeah. about a range of, of comfortable, yeah. do you have any techniques that you specifically use to quote unquote check if you're in control? Like I know for me, sometimes when I'm running, I'll check periphery, right? Cause I know if I can't see periphery, I'm probably getting more anaerobic versus aerobic. And so it's like, okay, if I have trouble focusing on what's to the side of me, I'm probably higher intensity. Do you have any specific things that you think about? when you're like, okay, am I in control or not in control? I've done this so many times and I've been in these situations so many times that my mind will tell me like, hey, this is not where you need to be right now. Like for instance, there was, like I ran Canyon's 50K recently, right? Um, and I was able to win that race. But there was an instance in that race where, so the, the plan at Canyon's 50K was to run the first half with the group. And then I was going to take off the second half because I felt pretty comfortable at that point to, that I, I was going to put in a, a big push. 
And then I was going to try and break the group and then kind of run away with the win. Well, I get to the, the halfway point and there was a guy, Jeshrin Small, who ended up taking second in the race. And he went with me and then he jumped ahead of me and he started pushing like pretty hard. And it was kind of net downhill on this flowy trail. And I was like, I could put in a surge right now or I can just sit back with him. And I started thinking, am I under control? Mm. And when I started kind of trying to push a little bit more, I was like, no, that's out of control. Like I can tell that's too fast. And I can tell that that's not comfortable and where I need to be right now. And so I just sat back and I let him lead because he was going fast enough. We were breaking the rest of the field and it was coming down to a two person race. And I was confident in myself and I was confident in my training that I knew if I stayed there and then just took off maybe the last 5k or so that I could win the race. Mm -hmm. And, and I think sometimes like you have to kind of see what happens in the race because you don't know how the race is going to play out every time. And you have to have those self checks during the race and being like, okay, is this sufficient? Yeah, this is sufficient. What are my strengths? Well, my strengths is climbing. Okay, well, I know this race finishes on a climb. So literally I can sit here the rest of the time and then take off on that climb and most likely I'm going to win. But you have to have confidence in yourself and you have to have confidence in your training to have patience. Like it's, it's really a weird thing is like patience is so key in this sport, but you have to be very confident in yourself and in your training to be patient. I'm very confident in my abilities. I'm very confident in my training. I knew that going into canyons, I was prepared and that I was going to be really hard to beat on that day. And so I knew that I could just be patient and I can make my move when I needed to make my move. And if that meant I had to make a move on the last mile, then so be it. Like a win's a win. It doesn't matter if I win by 30 seconds or if I win by 10 minutes. Like I'm just there to win. And so I think it's important that, that you hold strong to that and that you don't let yourself get too eager or get impatient in these races, that you keep that confident throughout the entirety of the race. Uh, that's great. It, yeah. And so to me, <clears throat> obviously, you know, not everybody's going to win the race, but I know a lot of people who are going to struggle with patience just in general. Like you mentioned that and it's like this trigger word for me when I'm thinking about my own self in, in running events. And a lot of people are, are thinking that when they start their, their race, um, they, they have a pace they need to set. Right. And they try to keep hitting that pace, hitting that pace, hitting that pace. And if they could stay patient and understanding that they don't have to bank time, which is like this big risk that us mid and back of packers often run to. Right. If we could stay just even keeled in the beginning and not worry so much about trying to get ahead of the impending doom that sometimes we feel is coming, right? Then, and, and trust that trust our actual training, I think we will find ourselves to be a lot more successful. And so we may not be winning the race, right? But, but trusting our training and trusting the fact that we've done what it takes to complete the race and with the effort that we can put into it, um, it's critical, I think, even for us as well. And um, I just appreciate yeah. that, that idea. Yeah, like, I mean, everybody needs to be confident. Like yeah. it doesn't matter if you're winning the race or you're just trying to break the, you know, uh, finish ahead of the cutoffs. Right. Like you have to be confident, confident in, in your fitness. You have to be confident in your, your training, but to have that confidence, you have to be prepared That's and right. you have to put the training in. But if you've put the training in, you've done everything that you possibly can to prepare for that race. 
then you should have confidence. Yeah, and great. also, I think it's important to, to stick to your plan, like, as much as possible. Like, of course, like, you, you're going to have to adjust sometimes in races. You're going to have to, you know, um, things are, are, are going to go wrong, and you're going to have to figure out a way out of it. But always have, like, a base plan of, and stick to that. And that should be running your own race. That shouldn't be running anybody else's race. That shouldn't be, you know, dictated by whatever else is going on in the race. And so I think it's important to stay level-headed throughout the, the race and not stress too much or be worried so much about things. Like one of my favorite athletes in the world right now is actually Nikola Jokic, who plays for the Denver Nuggets. He was a two-time MVP the last two years in, in the NBA. And I love Jokic because his nickname's The Joker because he's always joking around. He's having fun with the game. He's never too high. He's never too low. He's always very level-headed in these games. You know, even with his, like, interviews he does with the media, it's just very, like, nonchalant and just very laid back, and he just kind of does his own thing. And I think that's a strength to have, not only as an elite, but as, as any runner, is you can't get tr too dramatic in these things. You can't sit there and just like freak out in an ultra when things don't go the way that you want them to go, because rarely are they ever going to go the way that you want them to go. But you just need to stay very level headed and you need to have some, you know, a, I guess a kind of a, a laid back uh, attitude about things, because that's how ultra running is. And, you know, that's how life is. <laughs> things, things are always happening in life that you can't control. But if you focus on what you can control, and then just be kind of like, you know, okay with whatever else happens. I think that's a strength. I think yeah. it's something you see in a lot of really good professional athletes. And it, it's something that I try to have is like, I don't take things too serious because why? Like, that's a waste of energy. Is that how you or How do you manage your personal expectations then? Because obviously you have goals for Western, Western itself um, and you have expectations on how you hope to perform, if you will. How do you manage that? Yeah, yeah, I'm competitive. And like any right. professional athlete is going to be competitive. Like that's why they're a professional athlete. But at the same time, I try to keep it very real and just realize that like I am a father to two amazing children. I'm a husband to an amazing wife. I have a great family. I have great friends. I'm pretty fortunate that I get paid to do this and I get to travel the world and see these amazing places. And really, at the end of the day, if I don't win this race, my kids are still going to love me. My wife's still going to love me. My friends and family are not going to disown me because I lost Western States. Like, they're still going to love me. And I'm still going to go back home to them and have a barbecue with them and have fun and enjoy, you know, my time in the mountains with them or whatever it is, you know. And, and also, I think it comes back to that, that process thing is I enjoy the process so much that yeah, winning a race is amazing and it's an amazing experience, but I still get to go back and do the process when I get back home. And that is what's fun to me. And, and that's really what I live for is the process of, of not only training, but the process of life yeah. and the time I get to spend doing it with the people that I love, uh, my friends and my family. And they're going to love you um, just the same, even when you win. My for example, kids are not going to care. Change. <laughs> they're like okay dad what's next <laughs> it's funny my son actually the other day uh my friend who actually beat me at tarawara this year when i was down in new zealand dan jones uh watch out for him at western states by the way he's a friggin' top-notch kiwi runner 
he's been staying with us here in Colorado. And my son the other day was like, Hey dad, didn't Dan beat you at Tarawara? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, he did. Like, yeah. And, uh, and he's like, Oh, okay. And he's like, I thought you won everything. And I was like, no, no, I lose some things sometimes too. And he's like, oh, okay. And so anyways, it was just this funny conversation he had. And he, he called me out for losing to Dan. And Dan just started cracking up. And he's just like, ah, like, yeah. But it's just, uh, you know, like the kids don't care. Like they, I give my finisher medal to my son every single time. And he doesn't care if it says first place or if it says finisher or if right. it says last place, you know. Mm-hmm. He just enjoys the the metal. So that's awesome. I think it's so good. And it's just like you said, it's good life advice. One of the things I said in the intro that, hey, from the outside looking in, you seem like just a very down to earth guy, right? So we knew we were gonna be talking to you. As you started listening to stuff, I was like, okay, Hayden sounds like a guy that I can hang out with. And I don't know <laughs> that I think there's a lot of times we look at elites and pros and, and we go, hey, that's a different level, right? Their life is different than than I would experience but to hear you talk about that the way you think about the family the way you think about winning one of the questions we actually had and, and part of it was an experience where we another race there was a guy that showed up not a pro runner but excellent runner right everybody said Brad's gonna win hey Brad are you gonna break you know 15 hours are you gonna do this you gonna do that and we thought that's gotta be hard to show up at a start line and everybody's already saying look we know you're gonna win how well are you gonna do and we actually talked to to his partner that was there and she said it's so hard on him because if he ends up on the side of the trail puking in the woods, he has these expectations. He knows that everybody running by is going to be going, well, what happened to Brad? So that's part of the question is, hey, what's it like to be Hayden Hawk showing up at a start line, right? Where there's expectations, not just from yourself, yeah. but from other people. And you may have just answered that, you know, you can, you can add to it if there's more, but to hear you talk about how you approach that, knowing that the important things are waiting for you afterwards, mm-hmm. It's kind of the light bulb of like, oh, yeah, just like anybody else. If you have your priorities right, it's really not that big of a deal, I would imagine. But uh, Yeah, and I would I'd say exactly what you said is like, you know, people say all the time, I think it's so hard to have a family. You know, it's so hard to have kids and, and be a pro runner and be doing all the training you're doing. And while it has its challenges sometimes, it also actually has been a really good thing for me. Because I think when I was younger, I did put a lot of pressure on myself, like Brad or whatever, like, where I thought everybody had these expectations and I worried so much about what people thought of me and, and like, Oh man, I have to, I have to win this race. If I don't win this race, then I'm going to, you know, disappoint whoever, you know, my coach or my family or whatever. And like, as I've grown older and, and I started having kids and I'm involved with my church and I'm involved with a lot of other things in life, I've realized that like, nobody really cares that much about these things and my kids have actually made it so I don't feel that way anymore like they've actually helped me so much as a professional athlete and I've been a more consistent and a better athlete since I've had kids Mm. because of that I think because I don't put that pressure on on myself and when I had this conversation with my wife the other day because she gets a little anxiety and stuff when she goes into races you know because she's actually a really good runner herself and she's like how do you deal with the pressure and the anxiety? And I said, babe, like, I actually like the pressure and the anxiety. If I don't feel the pressure and the anxiety, I'm not ready. Because pressure and anxiety is spurred on because you care about something, Mm -hmm. right? If you care about something, 
then you're probably going to have a little bit of pressure and anxiety because you want to do your best at that thing that you care so much about. So that's how I look at the pressure and anxiety now, because I do get it. Everybody gets it. Like you always get the butterflies no matter what, when you line up, because you know, you're about to do something really hard. I don't get anxiety because of the pressure that's coming from outside sources. I get the pressure because I know I'm about to do something really hard and I know it's going to be challenging and I know I'm going to have to go deep. Mm. You're always going to get anxious when you have to do something like that. Like I know I'm going into battle and and like anytime you go into battle, you're going to feel that way. But I think it's a good thing to feel that way. And that's why I take it. And I, and I say, yes, that's the feeling that I want to feel. I'm ready. I'm ready to go out there. I'm ready to have fun. And honestly, when like that, that pressure and anxiety might be a little bit there at the, before the race starts, but when that gun goes off, it's out the window, it's gone because you're so focused on everything else Right. and you're in your element. I'm literally in my element when that gun goes off and you know, people talk about the zone. That's my zone. I'm in my zone. Everything just goes away. I don't have any care in the world. All I care about is getting to that finish line and doing the things that I need to do to get to that finish line. And that's honestly how I feel about it. I actually look forward to that, to be honest with you. So good. We're going to take a side I note here. I have so many things to talk about and I'm running out of time. I know. <laughs> all right, man. Well, here's the deal. We've got like pages of notes and we know we, we could talk all night with you, right? But I do <laughs> want to make sure from a listener's benefit that we take advantage and kind of get tactical. So there's a couple of questions have kind of about nutrition training. We also want to talk about some of the things that are important to you. But one of the things that I heard you talk about before, and I think it's very interesting because from a nutrition standpoint, we've talked a lot about, hey, calories per hour. How do you stay you know, fueled? I heard you talk very specifically about you're not looking at calories per hour. You're looking at grams of carbs per hour. And from a listener standpoint, can you just run through that really quick? Why somebody listened that may be important to them. And and I guess we're probably mainly talking race day nutrition. Yeah. So I I started working with precision hydration about a year ago, and they've been just instrumental in my nutrition and hydration over the last year. Honestly, amazing company to work for because the product's amazing. You don't get flavor fatigue with it. It gives you incredible amounts of energy. It's high carb. But I think also the other thing is the company is really stresses working with the athlete to help develop these nutrition plans through sweat tests and different things like that to get all the numbers down so that you know exactly what you need to be taking in because everybody's different. You know, some people sweat more than other people. Some people have saltier sweat than other people. So yeah, precision has been huge in helping me bring all that together, but they've also taught me and my coach, uh, Robbie Britton has also taught me that carbs are more important than calories to look at because calories can come in many forms, but really as an endurance athlete, especially someone who's running really fast and running, you know, every step of Western States, I'm burning a lot of glycogen. Glycogen can be depleted in as little as 90 minutes, you know, or I guess that's the, that's the longest, like it can last is 90 minutes, maybe two hours. And so your glycogen stores are getting depleted quicker than anything else in your body. Your fat will last forever. You know, everybody's got enough fat on their body that you can pretty much go forever on fat source, but carbohydrate 
gets depleted really quickly. And so that's why I focus on carbohydrates because I want to replenish what I'm getting rid of because right. I'm not getting rid of the fat. The fat's mm -hmm. always going to be there, but I need to replenish what's actually going away. And so that's why I focus on the carbs instead of the calories because I want to be getting as much grams of carbs in as I possibly can. So yeah, I, I focus on that and that's become instrumental in my nutrition plan and really has made a big difference in how I'm racing, um, especially at the end of races. I feel stronger. I'm recovering faster. My training runs are, are stronger. Everything's become better as I've dialed in my nutrition and my hydration. And you're targeting, I think I heard, anywhere between 60 to 90 grams of carbs, correct? Yeah, you can actually look at, so on Precision's website, mm -hmm. they meet with me before and they meet with me after. And we go through my whole plan before. And then we talk about what I took in, in my race after. And they do a write-up on it. And so people can actually access it online and see exactly what I ate and what I drunk at Kosciuszko, the race I did in December, at Tarawara, at Canyons. And we'll do another one for Western States as well. And so I think at Canyons, I was taking a little over 100 grams an hour of carbohydrates. Wow. And so I'll probably do around the same, if not a little bit more at Western States. That's a lot. But I've trained, I've trained to get to that point. Like right. You have to train the gut. The average person just can't jump and do that right away. Right. It's right. taken time to get there. I think it's such a good point though, because there's all the different trends, right? And I do a lot of lower carb throughout the week type stuff. You know, so people will swear by keto and fat adaptation and that. And I agree with some of that, except I have learned the hard way on race day, right? Just to your point, if I don't want to bonk, if I want to keep max energy, it's going to be the carbs that you have to target. And so you know, if you're listening, you're thinking, hey, I can look at the back of my peanut butter jelly sandwich and see how many calories it is. That's helpful, but you may be, you know, especially if you're looking for higher intensity, looking at how do I maximize the carbs like you're talking about versus just overall calories, which could be a different mix of macros. So, and point. it depends on what style of run your race you're doing right. too. Like if you're just going out for a long hike, of course you can put a little fat in there because it's slow burning. Right. But if you're looking for quick energy, yeah. like in a 50 K or a hundred K or a, like a fast Western state style race, like, yeah, you want to focus on the carbohydrates, but like something like Cocodonia, right. Where it's a long multi-day thing. Like, yeah, you're getting carbs in as well, but you can get some fats, you can get some proteins, you can get some other things that are going to be, I guess, crucial over that length of, of period. And it's slow burning. So yeah, you're, you're, if you're going slower, you can utilize more slow burning. If you're going faster, you need to be utilizing fast burning stuff, which is carbohydrates. Yeah. Great point. And so something else we definitely want to talk to you. I, I mentioned it earlier, you were in New Zealand training and we actually got connected with you. We did a post a little while ago. There's a company out there called, I'm going to try to say it. I'm not saying it. <laughs> I'm still working on it. Currens, right? Currens. Currents, yeah. Currents. All right. So when you read it, it's it's way easier. It's C-U-R-R-A-N-Z. So how to N-Z for New Zealand. But anyways, um, they had reached out to us. They've got uh, a great product out there and it's you, you could talk through it in a second, but we have built a little bit of a relationship with them, Scott and Fleur. They, they seem super cool. Uh, we like the way they do things. And then when you start to look at their you know list of runners that are jumping on board, you being one of them, 
they seem like they're doing some pretty great things. And so when we had the opportunity to connect with you through them, of course, you know, that was super exciting for us. Tell us about your experience with them. How did you get to know them? And then what is it about that that made you kind of jump on board with them? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we went out to New Zealand. We've always wanted to go to New Zealand. My grandpa actually lived in New Zealand for a while. So he had talked to us about the people, the culture, the amazing experience. I'm really good friends with Ruth Croft as well, who won Western States last year. And she's a Kiwi runner. And Ruth had been promoting this this product, the Kern's product for a couple of years now. And I talked to her about it and she'd said that she'd used it at Western States because she said there had been some research done how this black currant product, which is a, a really like, so, so there's black currants, but then there's New Zealand black currants. And because of the ozone layer being so thin in New Zealand, the black currants in New Zealand soak up this sunshine or the sunlight and they become like a superfood. It's this really high potent black currant that's in New Zealand that has extraordinary health benefits. And Currens has made this into, I guess, a pill form where you can you can take this superfood and it aids in a lot of things like recovery, performance, heat performance. And that's kind of where I, I go with Ruth is Ruth had talked to me about how she had taken this product during Western States last year to help her with the heat of Western States. And she had sent over some research and her partner, Martin, had actually given me some product and I started taking it. And, and the one thing that's great about Currents too is it is NSF certified. So it's mm. completely clean, mm. which is awesome for, for a professional athlete. And I started taking it and I was like, ah, oh, it's, it's a clean product. It's a superfood. It's all natural. Like this can't, it can't hurt. Right. And, and Ruth is saying that it, it helped her at Western States and she had an incredible performance there. And I'll tell you, man, I, I've taken it now for about four or five months and I have felt on top of the world. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm sure there's a lot of other things going into it sure. as well, like my training and whatnot and my nutrition and everything else. But I definitely feel like it helps. I take it in the morning before every run and it works. Like it feels like it helps aid in my performance. And I think the most important thing that I think I've seen with it is it helps aid in my recovery. I'm recovering faster now than I've ever recovered in my life. And I attribute that a lot to the Currents product because it started when I started taking the product. And it's not only like shown in my, my recovery and in my training, but I work with Inside Tracker as well. And I do a lot of blood draws with Inside Tracker to go over my biomarkers with them. And my biomarkers have drastically improved to where they're all optimal since I started taking this product. And that's really all I changed. Like I, I changed a few other things in my diet per se, but just little things that probably wouldn't make the biggest of difference. But ever since I started taking the currents with my inside tracker tests, it shows like it shows. And, and honestly, like, I think uh, it's not just for elite athletes and inside tracker again is not just for elite athletes. I think like they're both just healthy things that people can do, even if you're not a runner, mm-hmm. to improve your health. I think that's important that everybody tries to be healthy. So just out of curiosity, we actually talked about this a little bit this morning because 
Jeremy just got some blood work back himself from his doctor, right? Why should somebody use Inside Tracker, for example? Because I know you said you use them, um, and I, I get all the ads as well, right? Why should I use Inside Tracker? What What are they going to provide me that my doctor's blood work is not? Like, what are the biomarkers and stuff that they're looking at that maybe is going to be discussed differently? Yeah, yeah, I, I've done the same thing. Like, I've gotten blood work from doctors right. in the past, and. And usually what happens is you go in, you get the blood taken, and then they send it back to you and they just give you the numbers. Mm -hmm. And really, unless you're familiar with it or you're a doctor or or whatnot, you probably won't know exactly what the numbers mean. Mm -hmm. Um, You probably won't know exactly what's optimal and what's not according to your fitness and and your lifestyle. But I think that's the one thing Inside Tracker does that's really cool is they focus a lot on you as an individual person. Like I'm different than you, right? I have a different lifestyle. I'm at a different fitness. And so initially they go through and they ask you all about your fitness level, how much you're exercising day, your lifestyle, all these different things, and then your age and all that stuff. And then according to that, they establish optimal ranges for your biomarkers, right? Then you go get your blood drawn, you get your results back, and then you look online on the app, you can do it right on your phone, and it tells you your range of what's optimal for you according to who you are, and then it tells you what your mark is. And so it tells you exactly like, like you know, like, oh, this is out of, of optimal according to what I need, or oh, this is within the optimal range, I need to continue to do what I'm doing. If it's out of the optimal, then they'll give you advice on the app that tells you eat more of this, do more of this, don't do this, like a checklist that you can do daily so that you can get your number within that optimal range, right? And then you can also meet with a professional and they'll go over it with you and they'll help you to establish kind of a a nutrition plan or a lifestyle plan to help you get within that optimal range. So I think that's what's really cool about it is you're not just getting the numbers back and being like, okay, go go do what you need to do, you know, figure it out for yourself. No, you have professionals, you have an app, you have all these things to help you get to where you want to be. And I think that's the great thing about Inside Tracker. And like I said again, it's not just for professional athletes. It's for everyone. You know, yeah. my, my grandparents have got it done. My parents have got it done. They don't right. exercise much, but they want to live long and they want health. And so they have got it done so that they can, they can do that. I really like how you talk about the fact it's tailored to the individual. Um, because if I think about normal blood work, you get with your doctor right. and everything, it's going to be, you're falling in a normal range for the entire population. Um, and so it's a little bit different on how you're going to interpret the results and, and what you're trying to do from an optimization standpoint. So I think that's cool, personally. Yeah, the two things that really jumped out at me, and one, we even joked earlier, is like, okay, so I just got mine as part of like my yearly physical, right? And the numbers are essentially like- Awful. Right, well, they're just they're just like, are, are they're looking for, are you dying? You know, or, or, are, you, or are you okay? Versus kind of what you're talking about. Okay, how do we take this, put it into context, especially have the plan for improvement, when it comes to performance, mm-hmm. now uh, the thing I really like too, even about the the currents, is that you're able to see an effect, right? right. And so we were talking because I've been taking it as well. I feel like I'm recovering pretty darn well, but at the same time, running is not my job, right? So I have a race coming up, and it was like, okay, I changed 
a handful of things at once. And so I go, wow, I feel really good. I'm taking this product, but you know, it's hard for me to say that's the thing where you are in a different situation. You're pretty much able to say, look, this is what I do for a living. Not only is this something different for me because I'm mostly doing things right anyways. Now with inside tracker, I can see some like actual movement in Mm -hmm. things that matter to me. So uh, Charlie Angles, he's a good friend of ours and he's talked about inside track. I'm gonna have to do that at some point for sure. But. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm really like, also as a professional athlete, like this is a lifestyle for me. This is my career. Like I'm really careful with what I put in my body. Right. I'm only putting in what I trust and what I believe in. Um, I'm not just throwing stuff in, you right. know, hoping for, for good, good numbers or whatever. Yeah. So I really thought this through, I believe in the product and I, I think it works. So. Yeah. Well, and like I said, from a company standpoint, I mean, so far the interactions have been fantastic. I really like the way they do business. I really like that they're relationship driven. Um, I love it. Well, we've got um, one more question from one of our patrons that, that we definitely want to ask you and it's Hoka related, which we know is, is, you know, one of your sponsors as well, but this comes from Joey Coates. Have you ever worn the Hoka Tecton 2? Tecton X2. Yeah. 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 That's what I've been wearing a lot lately. Uh, I've been wearing it in all my workouts in some of my long runs. I raced in it at Canyons 50 K. I might use it for all of Western States. I might use two pairs. I like to do a shoe swap, um, in my long, long races, just cause you put that new pair of shoes on sure. like halfway through and you feel like a new person. <laughs> it feels like you're starting a new race. Yeah. It's really, really cool. It's kind of, I think it's more of a mind thing, but anyways, um, I'll probably use two pairs at Western States, or I will use it for at least the second half mm-hmm. of Western States, maybe the Mafati for the first half of Western States, depending on the snow this year and what the snow is like. <laughs> it's supposed to be really snowy. But anyways, yeah, I love the Tecton X2. It's, it's been a game changer for me. It's super responsive, has that dual carbon plate in it, but it's also very cushioned at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a shoe that you can use in an ultra and get incredible performance benefits from it, but also get the the cushion and the soft Hoka feel that you still want. So. so he apparently wears the first version. He was curious if version two was better, right? And how it compares. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's a little lighter weight. Uh, uh-huh. They changed the upper a little bit on the, the second one, which lightens it up a bit. So that's always nice when you take, you know, take some ounces off a shoe, but also it drains better now. Um, I think the fit too, from the upper is better on the foot. So it holds the foot in place a little bit better. And yeah, I don't know. Overall, I just feel like it's a really good shoe. Like, uh, I feel fast in it. Like it's one of those shoes that you put on and you feel fast. Like you feel like you could go set a a personal best and, and, uh, just have a really good solid training run or race. Um, and yeah, I've done some 50 K, uh, like back to back 50 K runs in it. And honestly, my legs feel really fresh after. So I definitely think I'm getting good return from the shoe, which is helping a lot too. It's funny because I'd never heard of that one. I mean, I, I, I wear Clifton's, I think it's ATX or whatever. And, and I wear the Speed Goats, but I've never worn the, this one at all. I've never even heard of it. It's like, I've never heard of this shoe. <laughs> I've not heard of this. Well, Joey helped you out. Joey has helped me out. And now so has Aiden. Apparently they're wearing the wrong shoes. Well, all right. What else? And speaking of Patreon, we're going to wrap this up because we definitely want to do a segment that we do for them after, and we know we're limited on time, but here's the deal, man. We have appreciated this time with you. June 24th 
the big game, the big show, right? Western State. So for everybody listening, make sure you're following. And if you're not already. Everybody's going to be following Hayden because he's going to be first. <laughs> well, that's right. But leading up, I would imagine most people already are, but on Instagram at Hawks underscore Hayden, you've also got your website, hawksrunning.com. Anywhere else people should connect with you or are those are the best spots? Yeah, those are the best spots. You can follow me on Strava if you're interested to see what my training looks like going into Western States. Uh, what I've done over the last, you know, a couple blocks as well. I post everything on Strava, all my training. And so you can, uh, yeah, be inspired or take some tips from it, whatever you feel like you want to do. Uh, I'm always out there to motivate and inspire people. And so, yeah, you can follow along on Strava. Awesome. Very cool. We appreciate well, the time though. Yeah. Yeah. And for the ultra running guys family, as always, just we're so grateful for you. You know, you guys are what this is about. And again, if you're finding the value, just share it, give us the review, give us the star rating, all that stuff. And Hayden, man, I'm impressed with you, you know, both as obviously as a runner, but also as a person. And we've really enjoyed this time and, and, and thank you for making the time. Yeah, no problem guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Awesome. We'll keep you around for just a few minutes, but for everybody else, Cut. We call it ground rules, but it's really just kind of info. No, it's ground rules. <laughs> right. You will respect our rules. I had a friend who actually, growing up in high school, who looked like Tommy Boy, and he would always do the Tommy Boy impressions. <laughs> and we would watch that show so much because he loved it. And so honestly, uh, yeah, I, it made me crack up because I think of him. I get when you look at it that the, the New Zealand comes through, but yeah, I keep, I'm yeah. like, is it Kearns, Kearnsy, Kearns? I'm still going to jack that up. <laughs> I should probably not say it because I call it Kearnsy. I was introduced to it when I was in New Zealand this winter and right. I didn't I didn't know how to say it at all. So I kept saying like Kearnsy, Kearnsy, <laughs> I don't know what it is. And then finally they're like explained it all to me, so. Those types of topics we had, and we're like, we're not going to get to them because you're awesome, and the content you have talked about today was fantastic. Are you still taking on athletes? Oh, uh, not maxed currently. Out? No, okay. I'm pretty maxed out right now. Yeah, so. So we won't so. we won't yeah. push the <laughs> advertising button too hard on that yeah, one. Yeah. Oh, we're going to tell him he's offering a deal. <laughs> That's right, fifty percent <laughs> off for forty eight uh, hours. Yeah, and if you want to have me on again sometime later on, you know, don't tempt me. Feel free. No, really. I mean, re reach out to me anytime. Like, I would love to get back on. And um, yeah, it's no problem at all. Yeah, I, I, uh, the plan was to add like maybe 30, 40 clients, you know, like right before Western States, like two yeah. weeks before. Might as well. You know, that, that might That'll be work. the best thing, right? <laughs> That's awesome. All right, listen, thank you so much. We recognize the fact that you are probably just hanging on just for a couple more minutes as you're finishing up your run. But really, we do wanna give you a huge thank you for the constant support that you've shown us. We hear you and we feel you. And the best way for us to continue to grow is for you to share us with your friends. Tell them what you put in your ears when you're out there on a long run. Hit the like button, leave us a comment, um, leave a review and give us some direct feedback on what you like about the show and also what you don't like. We're here to improve and do it for you. And it really means the world. And listen, if you would like to support financially, you can connect with us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the ultra running guys, or you can use the support link in the show notes. Any and all support goes directly back into growing the show and helping us get better at what we love to do, which is to serve all of you. And with that, finish up that run, get cleaned up and just show up clean, clean. <laughs>